Welcome to My on Mondays, an explorative approach to the possessive my through narratives, art, and sound. Each Monday brings a new creation and unique perspective. My on Mondays is brought to you by Ming Studios, a contemporary art space and international artist residency program dedicated to the exhibition, experience, and exploration of arts and culture. Along with exhibiting artists from around the world, Ming also serves the community by hosting innovative programs including performances, workshops, screenings, readings, artist talks, and other cultural activities. For more information or if you'd like to participate in My on Mondays, you can visit our website at mingstudios.org. Welcome and thank you for joining us. Today, our featured guest is Jodine Revere. Jodine is an actor, writer, and Thai massage therapist from Boise, Idaho. She's worked with Boise Contemporary Theater, Migration Theory, Alley Rep, and Homegrown and Opal Theaters. She also works in film, commercials, and as a voiceover actor. Her piece today is titled My Getaway. I'm running away from home today. Toothbrush, books, a change of clothes, computer, phone, appropriate chargers, a comb, tucked into a small carpet bag that can be transported with ease. It is November 2020, and the idea of going somewhere, anywhere, feels thrilling and reckless. With a giddy heart, I throw the bag on the front seat of my 1997 Nissan and drive the six blocks to my daughter's house, my staycation for the next 48 hours. My daughter has actually gone somewhere else, Los Angeles, for her best friend's birthday. Five of them in an Airbnb, five people who work from home, live alone, wear masks in public, got COVID tests beforehand, dressing up and drinking in a safe container, but a container that is located elsewhere, somewhere not here. I pull up to the cluster of seven refurbished 1920s cottages in the North End, lovingly referred to as the resort. Open the wrought iron gate, follow the smooth and curvy concrete path through the immaculate grounds lush with Japanese maples, past the koi pond, tiny white Christmas lights adorning the eaves of each cottage, exquisite in its adorableness. A tiny house lover's wet dream. My mother has lived here in the cottage encampment for the last 15 years. My daughter staked her claim to her own studio cottage a year ago. The constellation that the three of us make in our proximity to each other is placed in the night sky above my head. It reassures me. I slip the key into the lock, pushing the door open into my daughter's domain. I'm here because her cat Lisa needs tending. And being a cat person myself, I know that cats prefer having their handlers on call 24 hours a day. My love for Lisa is real, but I am honestly, selfishly here for myself. I close the door behind me and breathe in the rarefied air of a young woman's first apartment, her sovereign realm. Smooth Corian counters, mason jars containing cat food, rice, polenta, labeled appropriately, of course. Plants arranged artfully in the kitchen, on the mantel, on shelves, and on the vintage brass and glass coffee table. 
the tiny apartment-sized refrigerator and stove, a slightly larger version of a child's playhouse appliances. The cottage is a studio, but an ingeniously designed one, with a series of doors that allow you to flow in a circular pattern, creating the illusion of multiple rooms. Living room, closet, bathroom, kitchen, back to main room. A Murphy bed allows for a sense of spaciousness along with plentiful windows, hardwood floors, a fireplace, a free-standing room of her own. Lisa eyes me from her blanket nest on the 1970s cane and chrome desk chair. She smiles at me with her little black bird mouth and returns to her napping. She must work hard to rack in her 17 hours of REM sleep each day. There is care and attention to the placement of each and every item. No clutter. At all. Seventeen books stand at attention on the mantel, flanked by whimsical bronze rabbits, leaning their full weight into holding them in place, as though the sheer power of the words and worlds contained within the covers threatens to explode and fill the room. Small photo galleries of Polaroids from college, her dad and I when we were married, a family photo of the three of us in a gold and red velvet frame from when she was two, the only professional photo of the three of us. I always hated posed family photos that adorned people's walls in larger-than-life displays that were updated regularly. It felt heavy-handed, as if a narrative of family needed to be curated rather than lived. I can feel the sadness and anger that she has that this is the only image from when she was too young to really remember that we were happy. We were all happy for a long while. I pass the whiteboard by the front door containing bullet points of plot, characters, and deadlines. Encouragements of, you are enough, and try again, affirming and cheering. She leaves herself love notes to quell the poisonous whisperings of doubt from within, the desk poised and uncluttered, ready for brilliant literary action, weighted blanket like an enormous crocheted jade green reptilian potholder, and pillows just so on the deep royal blue velvet sofa. Pleasing textures abound. A perfectly curated wardrobe of well-made classic clothes hung neatly, evenly spaced, and uncluttered in the open closet. The precise amount of clothing. A tiny bathroom. A plant, a glass soap dispenser, and a wee whiteboard sign with a friendly reminder to place your hand over the nozzle because it's messy. Artisanal body care products in pleasing packaging, sleek, modern, sophisticated, no glut of second-rate drugstore cosmetics. There is no clutter anywhere. Being in her space is soothing, inspiring, feels full of a drive and ambition I had wistfully longed for but was ultimately too lazy and easily distracted by love to grasp for. I breathe deeply of the heady elixir. I respectfully bow and honor her focus. I do not go through her drawers looking for vibrators or drugs or remove the unmarked moleskin journals from the rabbit's sentinel guard on the mantel or look through the daytimer on her desk. I'm not one of those creepy neighbors from that Raymond Carver short story. I'm not here to snoop. I trust my daughter to share with me the parts of her life that she wishes to. And I know all too well that journals are for saying the things you cannot and will not say to anyone else. To clear your head and heart from the monstrousness that lives inside of you, 
That is for no one to be privy to. It's not for others. It's for you. I have deep respect for that. But, as I said, I'm here for me. To step away from my things, my cats, my laundry, my to-do lists, my clutter, comparatively. To get out of my forest and see some new trees. I play a game with myself each time I'm in her home. If I lived here, what would I bring with me? Mine is a spacious two-bedroom, one-bath, large living, dining, kitchen, art space, craftsman home. It's lovely, inviting, filled with vases of flowers, more than 17 books, artwork, and pillows, just so. Many pleasing and varied textures. Tidy and mostly organized, but leans more towards an eccentric, curio-shopped Edward Gorey aesthetic rather than her laser-sharp Marie Kendo vibe. Her Versailles mind palace, so multi-leveled, so opulent, she needs her physical surroundings to be calm and restrained, to act as a nurturing greenhouse for her rich inner life, a space populated with wild but delicate, rare and exotic blooms that demand precise conditions to thrive, to choke out the noxious weeds of mediocrity. There's no living vicariously through her talents and choices, I do indeed have my own talents, and mostly don't regret my choices. She's often an inspiration for my creative and artistic expression. I wish to surround myself with people who challenge, inspire, and surprise me. She does all of those things. I wash my hair with her charcoal shampoo, use an organic raspberry conditioner I have never used or seen before, an exotic vacation for my scalp. It's the little things. Lisa wakes me at 4.30 for her early morning mindfuck of meow, 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 I want to go out, but I will refuse to actually vacate the premises and hide under the sofa game for about an hour. I flip on the reading light, relish the comfort of this bed and these mysteriously soft sheets, open my computer to write. I suddenly want to listen to music, and although never nostalgic in my choices, I find myself listening to Suzanne Vega thinking of the first time I listened to her self-titled album. New York. The autumn of 1985. I was my daughter's age, exploring this city with the man I loved, my husband-to-be, and had only lived in my own sweet apartment on Hayes Street by myself for six months before moving in with him, not realizing how vitally important it was to properly birth oneself, that six months is not enough time to birth oneself, that missing my unbirthed self so achingly 20 years later, I would leave him for me, finding a sweet apartment for myself and my glorious daughter. But I was still not alone. And then there would be another man whom I would live with until he left, and then another man who I thankfully did not live with, and then my daughter would leave for school, and wisely there would be no more men, but now I have a roommate so I still don't live alone, but when I'm here in her house, it is just me and Lisa. It's a different vibration to be truly alone in a space, not lonely, but alone. Something happens in that space that does not happen when someone is in the other room or will be back in a couple of hours or a couple of days. So grateful to drink from that secret well for a couple of days and have that particular thirst slaked. Then, like a camel topped off at the oasis, make my way back to my home, 
with fresh eyes to see the negative space of possibility between my individual trees. Writing as the sun was coming up, then having coffee with my mom across the courtyard. She, who lives alone in her own ordered space, with a fire burning, flowers in vases, delicious food on the stove, books everywhere, pillows just so. She who never lived alone in her own place until she was 55 years old. Now she would never relinquish this solitude. A long walk in the cold, bracing November sunshine, new thoughts, perspectives, ideas, and awareness bubbling. Purchasing a few simple groceries, satsumas, a pomegranate, carrot slices ready for easy snacking, the prerequisite baguette, salami, and cheese. Fresh spinach cooked the way her grandmother, her dad's mom, cooked it when she would bring Tupperwares full of Japanese food to her dad and I whenever she was in town. Her love language, food, and cooking. Her father's love language. The kitchen, his domain. Opening windows, the front door, so that Lisa can indulge her ADD time and space proclivities, I sweep, wipe, dust, arrange flowers and vases. Water plants, change sheets, do dishes. The world is insane, nonsensical, and relentlessly exhausting as of late, and I have no control. But I can make sure her safe haven is waiting for her when she returns. I feel pleased, as if I've done something helpful, useful for her. Some simple contribution to make her smile. A thank you offering for what I received in my time here in her space. I close the windows, wrangle Lisa, take a final look around my rejuvenating vacation pod, and think how happy she'll be when she gets home tonight. Then I close the door behind me, accidentally locking her out of her house. Shit. I am 98% certain that this was not on purpose, but I can't be sure. The end. We're so glad you joined us today. Join us next week for work by Bosnian poet Jevad Vrabats. Thank you.